Hello, thanks for tuning back in to the Play On podcast from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I'm Taylor Bailey, Assistant Director of Play On and the host of this show. It has been quite a long time since our last episode. We know, it has been a fantastically busy first year. So far since our announcement in the fall of 2015, Play On has worked with more than 300 actors in readings, workshops, and productions all around the country. We've worked in 14 cities and at 19 different theaters and educational institutions to develop the work. At this point in the process, we have received a large portion of the first drafts and even have quite a few that are already complete. And now, we're ready to start sharing more of what we're up to with all of you. Toward the end of 2016, Louis Douthat, the former director of literary development and dramaturgy for OSF and the current director of Play On, and I sat down with Amritha Ramanan, OSF's brand new director of literary development and dramaturgy, to discuss the first year of Play On and what we've been up to, what challenges we have faced, and just what it takes to run a commissioning program of this size. Hi, uh, I'm Amritha Ramanan, and I'm the Director of Literary Development and Dramaturgy. And um, actually, maybe you guys should introduce yourselves. Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm Taylor Bailey, and I'm the Assistant Director of Play On. And I'm Louie Douthat, the Director of Play On. So remind me again, you guys are now a year and a couple months in to this wonderful, beautiful process and experiment. Yes. On September 29th, 2015, we made the public announcement Mm. uh, that we had commissioned 36 writers to translate 39 plays into contemporary modern English. And we obviously had been working on it for a while. When did you get here? I landed in Ashland on August 1st of 2015, but I started working for OSF from Chicago on July 6th. Right. Ah. And, and this project, as you know, Amritha had been in the making for a long time. Right. I mean, what people don't know much about is that there was a test pilot program mm-hmm. before we did this big fat launch. It didn't just yeah. come out of nowhere. We were given the opportunity to explore this possibility with an earlier grant from the same funder, mm-hmm. and that is Dave Hitz of the Hitz Foundation. Um, to t- sort of, I kind of call it paint chips, kind of give a little test to uh, what might stick in terms of, and what did it mean, translation, and we had to unpack that. And mm-hmm. So I had started with five commissions, and these commissions were to range from what we were calling literal translation at the time to adaptation. Mm-hmm. And this was like four or five years ago, and we were doing a production of an adaptation of Merry Wives called The Very Merry Wives of Windsor, Iowa by Alison Carey. Mm-hmm. That was on the stage at the time. So we, we, we kind of knew what adaptations were, right? Mm-hmm. And we still have vast interest in them at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Uh, and Dave Hitz was interested in this very specific kind of investigation, which he was calling translation. And we were like, what is that? We had no idea. So I started out with this, uh, with the leeway to kind of range from literal to adaptation. And so that first class, as mm-hmm. it were, were three adaptations, with three translations, one by Kenneth Cavender of Time and of Athens, another Doug Langworthy was taking on. Henry VI, Part One, Two, and Three, and Ranji Bolt was taking on Tartuffe in a sort of literal translation 
exercise. They were all theater translators. And I wanted to test genres. There was a tragedy, a comedy, a history. Tracy Young was commissioned to do an adaptation of Winter's Tale, which she has subsequently changed to a translation of Winter's Tale. And then we commissioned the Q Brothers out of Chicago to do an adaptation of Two Gentlemen of Verona called Q Gents, which is a two-character piece, hilariously funny. So um, funny. And yeah. both Taylor and I saw it in production at the Illinois Shakespeare Festival last summer. They're best known for a couple of other pieces, Bombardier of Errors. <laughs> and Chicago Shakespeare has really been a champion of their work and commissioned a lot. So that was kind of fun to begin in their way you know, radar, and that was much thanks to Claudia Alec, you know, and the wide net that she uh, casts uh, in terms of uh, performance artists and bringing them to our attention. So that was the original class, and from there, well, we're into trouble. We were just talking about this, that actually there's a 40th. We don't often talk about, Mm -hmm. which is um, a Titus Andronicus adaptation for both deaf and hearing audiences. And we've hired a team to investigate what does that mean and how does that look and how do you codify it. And and that's been very exciting. And we're just starting to get more involved in that particular Mm -hmm. work as well. I would actually be really curious to hear from both of you as the project expanded and then became the 40. um, What were some of the reactions from the artists involved when they heard about the project, when they were invited in um, and what the concept of translation meant to them? It was Dave's uh, strong urging and borderline insistence that translation be the verb. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, as Taylor knows, one of his first jobs was to go to the thesaurus. And what we found (laughs) is that what we were going to ask these writers to do, there was no word in English. But it was really important for him to say, yeah, if somebody wanted to translate all every word, he he felt they should have that freedom. Now, Uh uh, I hope none of the... Playwrights are listening to this right now because that is not the charge I gave them. But I also appreciate the openness of that, even though a lot of people criticized that it was such a narrow and prescriptive kind of rule that it was going to clip people's creative wings. All the playwrights, some of them are translators and adapters and some are playwrights. Not everybody does all of that kind of work. There was always a, a conversation about what did I mean by it, and I was very clear about the rules that I wanted them to start with and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. I have a very clear idea of what an adaptation is, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. very, I have a very wide definition of that, huh? Right. So I wanted to start with what I was calling a base coat of just part of a translation process that I had observed, particularly from my colleague Doug Langworthy and Libby Apple also teaching me that process from literal to sort of your own. And I said, yeah, you can get to your own, but right now I just kind of want it literal, um, base coat thing, and then see in collaboration with actors and directors what you come up with next. It felt important that it be really wide yeah, yeah. and then the contrast be very narrow. I think that the, the series of rules, um, which we probably should go over, but um, have have actually uh, really encouraged sort of a deep association and sort of walking with Shakespeare kind of exercise. I'm not so sure I was able to articulate a year ago, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm really clear about what it is that they are doing. They are they are they are co-writers with with Shakespeare. I feel yeah. like we're we're really grateful to the to the folks who jumped in early. Um, with uh, especially with like Kenneth's work on on Timon and. Um, 
and Douglas's work on um, the Henry Sixes that he kind of got in there with. But also Ellen McLaughlin, who um, had to work faster, she only got the commission along with all the other new people. Mm-hmm. But she had a production in February, in like February of 2016. Wow. So she was on an expedited kind of track. Ooh. But what that's done is given us these works that were done early for the other playwrights to get to interact with. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like some of our authors have been a little like, I don't actually quite know what this is yet. And so we've ha- been able to do these demonstrations um, where we, we have actors reading the Shakespeare and then reading um, the translated versions of the scripts we already have. And it's a moment, I think, where our writers go, oh, oh, okay. I understand what this is. Mm-hmm, I get this. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times it's actually, oh, I was making this more complicated than it really is. Mm-hmm. This is actually pretty easy in terms of the idea, at yeah, least. Yeah. Now, crafting the language, I can't even begin to imagine. What are some big reflections or takeaways for you guys, just thinking of the last, the last year and then also what's ahead? Yeah. I will say the biggest surprise for me has been um, how others have wanted to play with us. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I designed a budget uh, to sort of be completely self-sufficient. Yeah. Partly out of self-protection, knowing this was going to be a controversial project, uh, and I did not want to rely on others or or feel like somebody has to do me a favor. So it was completely self-contained. That said, uh, more and more people are beginning to get a sense of it. And I think that also, not not just the playwrights, but just when you read or hear these little demos, it doesn't take a long snippet to kind of get it. But that has been the most moving and surprising to me, is mm. how, how much people have reached out and want to be a part of this Mm-hmm. be a part of this process and help those writers. It's it's actually it's beautiful in that sort of collaborative way Aww. that theater is and sort of the generosity of artists um, who've, who've agreed to participate and, and share their experiences and their knowledge. It's really been very moving um, to me. I think a big moment for me this year um, was traveling to Orlando to see the production of Ellen McLaughlin's translation of Pericles that was produced at the Orlando Shakespeare Theater, directed by Jim Helsinger. Louis had been saying this whole time, these are new plays. And I was like, yeah, they're new plays. And I thought I understood that. (laughs) Um, And then when I saw the production of Ellen's play, I was like, oh my gosh, I get it now. Mm. These are new plays. They are Shakespearean, but they're not Shakespeare. It was it was a very exciting moment because I felt like I understood when I didn't really know that I hadn't understood it in full yet. Well, I remember, I think it was even Dave Hitz that said, so much of his joy for the project is the understanding of the plays in the moment and that immediacy of connection and the beauty of being able to actually see these plays as new plays, see them anew. I was actually wondering, Taylor, if you can talk a little bit more about the partnerships that Play On has forged and fostered, because I think that's a pretty extraordinary component of the program that both of you have done in terms of having such a broad diversity of writers um, in so many different locations that have also been able to really, you know, use resources in their local hometowns. We have such a fantastic group of artists, and a lot of them already have relationships with companies all over the country. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm interested, I love numbers and I love statistics and I love being able to like look at those. Hmm. And so 
my big hope is to get to the end of this time, to get to the end of, you know, 2018 and say, look at these numbers. Look Mm. at the number of theater companies we've worked with. Look at the number of actors that we employed. Look at all of the directors and producers and stage managers that have gotten to experience this work. And we're already on such a crazy track. I mean, at this point, it's like over 215 actors in the last year. We've worked with like at least 17 different institutions, both theater companies and educational institutions. We've been all over the country. And you just think those numbers are going to are just going to skyrocket in the Mm. next year. And it's really, really exciting in that way. We've worked with big companies like the Guthrie in Minneapolis, and we've worked with really small companies like Hero Theater in LA. We have a reading coming up of Troilus and Cressida at Antaeus in LA. We've worked with Shakespeare Festivals, Colorado Shakespeare Festival last uh, last month. We were there for a four-day workshop of the Henry Sixes um, and lots more. It's It's been very exciting to establish those relationships and now we're going to kind of start leading from that way and being like, all right, this is this is everyone who's played with us so far. Don't you want to play too? Oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Jump on board. So what are you guys looking forward to in the near future? What can you tell us about what's coming up with Play On? The beautiful thing about the exercise for me, I mean, there are many beautiful things. So one of the beautiful things is that it's all process, mm-hmm. right? It's all mm-hmm. table work and there's no end result. It, a lot of People have sort of an instinct to to want to do performance or you know enter the room thinking it's a play reading for a public. I'm like, no, it's just a reading for ourselves and yeah. a discussion about the the work itself and um, the use of words and communication and uh, you know um, a series of co- conversations about that as a collective between dramaturg, playwright actors and and sometimes sometimes I'll let a director in right so to have that sort of but that's all it really is in in a way and it's sort of of beautifully moving I think because Hmm. uh, people are are much seem not in the relaxation willing to sort of give more yeah sort of an irony right in in an interesting way so yeah the the excitement for us is um, how many more people we're going to play with Mm -hmm. in this this Mm -hmm. next year and for me, I'm anticipating that the first 18 that we have now, they're all different, mm-hmm. and they're all incredibly wonderful. Mm-hmm. They're full of integrity. You could tell there was thought in, in all of the choices that were made that the dramaturg and playwright were having great conversations with each other about the challenge of this communication you know, vehicle. Um, and I love the variety of all that. I've just been mm. um, so terribly excited yeah. by the high artistry that we've gotten so far, even in first draft. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the high anticipation of what's going to happen with the second half of the group when they come in, no pressure or all those people, but that when they come in, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like it will continue to that. And that has yeah. also been sort of a beautiful outcome that I thought was going to happen later, but it's really sort of happening now. Mm. So that is one thing to look forward to in this next year. And, you know, just say, personally, 
this is both looking forward to, but also sort of aware of sort of the challenges of, you know, how to strategize, how to do that, and how many Homewood suites can you stay at? You know, so <laughs> there's a little of that, uh, which has its joys, but also there's a dauntingness about just sure. the scale of it and how we sort of div- divide and conquer mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we want to be present, but right. not um, as witness, not as sort of like please Louis kind of thing. You right. know, it's just, it's really to be supportive and be present in, in the way of sort of honoring the work that's being done and, and the way people are talking about about the work. And that to me is, has been uh, the greatest joy mm. of the project so far. We are replicating what I think happened 400 years ago between actors and a playwright in terms of shaping a play. Mm-hmm. And that is why I said all along it's a new play. It is no different Yes. Than the new plays you and I work on now mm-hmm. with living writers struggling with creating out of nothing, yeah. out of thin air. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right. That's the writer's job, right? Yeah. So we're, I think, replicating that and we're translating experience. Mm. And that's how I'm using translation. Yeah. We're translating that experience. And yeah. the, so there's been great joy and discovery for actors with a living playwright. In, in the context of a Shakespeare play. And then we've also noticed with audiences who are, um, as far as we've heard anecdotally from both audiences and actors, that there's an immediacy of receiving the play mm-hmm. in ways that you don't always get yeah. you know, in a Shakespeare play. And, mm-hmm. and that is also, mm-hmm. you know, as a dramaturg wanting to help shape that communication between the art object and audience, the pulling away or the falling away of some barriers, which Mm -hmm. for me is really all this project is trying to uh, examine. The fact is that even in reading form, that has been happening, and that's sort of beautiful too. It's so exciting because we hear this, we've experienced this over and over now, is that when what sets these workshops apart from other Shakespearean workshops um, has been that they end up spending four days mm. talking about character and mm. uh, and intention and relationships yes. and the story, and they're not spending any time saying, "What the hell am I saying in this scene?" You know, like yeah. it's it's not about going through and and figuring out what words mean or what passages mean or or any of that it's it's all that work's been done hmm. and so these actors are sort of well of, one interpretation of that work has been yes done. exactly just, exactly I mean the, the playwrights are making one interpretation just as we would make a collective interpretation in a rehearsal room right. about a certain passage yeah right? absolutely so it's just one one more interpretation mm-hmm. yeah. and they're and they're finding too that I think for a lot of actors, there was some fear that the that this project did their work too. Uh-huh, um, right, they're, in terms of their research or their yes, investigation. and their training, and you know yeah, how yeah. how they approach text, and what they're finding um, for the most part as they come into these spaces is, oh no, I still need to rely on all of this training yeah. that I already have. The, the 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 thought still carries through line after line after line after line. These really long thoughts. I still need the breath support to make my way through mm-hmm. this work because the language is still heightened and mm-hmm. still complex. And that's been a really rewarding thing for us to witness. But it's going to be an exciting year. I mean, we've got, it's going to be an exciting two years, really. But just looking forward into 2017 and even the the last months of 2016, 
we've, we're cramming a lot in. In New York, you'll get to see the first reading of Romeo and Juliet. Right. And that's kind of the first of the, the big daddies that we're right. the <laughs> most well-known plays. Ah. And we've got lots of workshops and readings already being scheduled for 2017. Mm-hmm. Particularly as we get into 2017, and I know this is something that uh, speaks near and dear to your heart too, Amritha, is to go global. Yes. And um, we had hoped to do a reading of Much Ado About Nothing in London in November with... Um, with translator Ranji Bolt, who lives in London. Um, but that didn't quite work out, and we just we postponed it, and we hope to reschedule it in in the spring. But there are other there are other avenues where that's sort of exploring in terms of taking the work outward mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a movement afoot you're so well you know of to go to <laughs> India, and mm-hmm. I can see going to China and uh, Yvette Nolan is Canadian, and I said, well, let's go to yeah. Montreal, you know, mm-hmm. and um, even the Prague Shakespeare Theater last year reached out to us to want to do some kind of workshop production of one of them. It didn't work out last year, but we're back in communication with them as well. So I also see that, beginning to explore that f- a couple of times next yeah. year, and maybe more so in eighteen. I mean, one of the, the outcomes or the use of this work uh, will be for audiences in which English is not the first language. Absolutely, and right. that excites me. Yeah. sort of the sort of reference mm-hmm. uh, aspect of this. You know, yeah. I think that these works will be useful in, for that, and they'll be useful in, in the classroom and in the rehearsal room, and I think for audiences. Mm-hmm. There's never an intention to replace Shakespeare. Yeah. This, again, is one artist's interpretation of what's happening in the plays, just mm-hmm. as it is with a director mm-hmm. and or a dramaturg and actors in the room. So it never was to do that. But I do think that there are some real pragmatic uses for this mm-hmm. kind of exploration yeah. side by side, such as their assignment, mm-hmm. um, that will prove to be really um, informative yeah. for audiences of, on all kinds of levels. Something that really excites me about Play On is its sense of diversity in terms of the diversity of the writers, the diversity of the geographic locations of where things are happening, the potential with the mission. And I was wondering if both of you could speak more to both um, the intention of that diversity with this project, and then also ways in which you've seen that manifest in this first year? You know, I don't know um, how conscious this was uh, a year and a half ago to me, Mm -hmm. to know that I had to have a very diverse cohort of artists working Mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. It was personal and politically um, vital to me. As a matter of fact, I would not have taken it if I could not um, sort of shape shape that. We're in a period of amazing writing oh, right yeah. now, particularly in the United States, and that's sort of mostly what I know, but I think probably around the globe, which I would love to explore too. Um, and I thought, um, this is crazy not to sort of tap into mm. uh, so much experimentation with form so many different stories being told, so many different ways that uh, English, which is, you know, a magnificently flexible language in Mm -hmm. a way, um, kind of protean in the way it just keeps kind of growing, actually, Mm -hmm. um, 
And I find that sort of fascinating. And I thought, well, I want to know what do we mean by contemporary English right now? Hmm. This was part and parcel of the three-year frame because I didn't want it to be that precious. I feel like Shakespeare kind of dashed things off, uh, too. But I, I, I didn't want it to be precious like for 10 years I've been slaving on my translation of King Lear. No, 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 hold on. Because Marcus will be a different artist 10 years from now. And yeah. if he did that exercise, he, he would say, I've got a different way of looking at it now, which is the way theater works. Right. It's always a constant reminder to go back to square one, mm-hmm. figure out where you are in reflection to the art piece. It's right. not set in stone. That so how could I set up something where it could be like a snapshot of contemporary, and I call it contemporary modern because Shakespeare, of course, is modern English. We heard this a lot. And I didn't want it to be just mo- uh, contemporary because that sounded to me like L.O., L, yo dude, yo dude, and I certainly <laughs> did not want that either. Uh-huh. So I wanted to sort of qualify it. But what did we mean by it? And that meant diversity because yeah. okay. diverse um, tongue in a way, the, yeah. the way people express oneself. It's still English, right? Yeah. It's all part of the English world. So that kind of led to so many great writers mm-hmm. wanting to have this diversity of entry into the project of mm-hmm. what you, what is your contemporary English, mm-hmm. the way you express yourself is different the way that I express myself, the way Taylor, right? So that's how it kind of happened. And then I said, well, you know, as a girl, I said, I got to have 51% women. Yes. Um, I just, and and then I thought, well, let's really open this up. I said, uh, I want it to be 51% writers of color to just kind of create a quilt of sorts in a weird way. And it was also personally uh, a way to broaden my perspective. I mean, when I started this project, I reached out to people I know. Mm -hmm. Theater is a relationship business. I thought, well, they can't all be FOLs, friends of Louis. (laughs) (laughs) And they were starting to be. And I thought, hang on, what kind of opportunity for learning are you going to have in this piece the, the the commitment the diversity it's just been um it's been something we've continued to think about as we do the rest of the work for play on and mm-hmm. you know so in terms of casting for these readings and these workshops mm-hmm. as we work with these companies we really say hey you know this is important to us and of course it's important to a lot of the companies we're partnering with already mm-hmm. um but we also recognize that there are some companies in some places that, that don't have a lot of diversity. And so we've been able to say, you know, hey, let's travel in an actor or two. Mm. And let's, you know, really bring as many different um, perspectives to the table as possible. Um, and that's just continued to be a really lovely um, aspect of this, I think. What has felt challenging for you in kind of the the position of embarking on the project and even considering what is to come in the near future? What are some of those, you know, either stumbling blocks or you articulated some really beautiful major questions, but if there are more questions that are really simmering in your minds as you look forward, like what are some of those things? Well, I'll say initially um, the challenge for me, uh, was how to respond to the comments that came following mm-hmm. the announcement a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
because people had great questions like, what, what are you doing? Are you dumbing down? What's it? And I thought, well, maybe we are. Mm-hmm. I, we didn't have enough examples to say one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. right. Saying, yeah. You may be right, which was kind of disarming to them, I think, too. Right. It's, we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's an odd exercise. It's an, it's an odd yeah. exercise. Yeah. Who knows mm-hmm. um, yeah. what was going to come out, right? right? Now that we have uh, a fair amount of first drafts under our belt, I can say... Uh, with much confidence that the language is not remotely mm. dumbed down in what seemed to be the biggest fear of people. And, and to reiterate again that these are new plays and deserve that kind of attention and development and care, and we are not replacing Shakespeare. I mean, I can mm-hmm. say with, mm-hmm. with real confidence, I mean, I said it before, but there was no proof to the pudding. Now I can say I have eaten the pudding, Mm-hmm. It's all solid. It tastes good. It tastes good. Uh, uh, and I can say it with confidence. Yeah. Before I was yeah. like, well, I don't know. Uh-huh. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was like a, it's a big R&D yep. project. And to say, ooh, I don't know, 80% of them just might not work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, well. Yeah. Is that... I could not figure out how to disarm people's mm-hmm. sort of... Um, Initial reaction. Yeah, yeah, there's just so many yeah. reaction to it, and mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, oh wow! So it obviously touched a little something in there, uh, yeah. some cultural nerve, and yeah. that's been kind of fascinating. And knowing um, that I could not, um, it was not up to me to be the one to sort of un, you know, to to take tamp that down. I, mm-hmm. I just wasn't going to be able to, and I didn't yeah. think that was my job. But it was a challenge. It was a challenge as not a patient person, <laughs> to wait to have more product to now say, now look, it's really okay. Yeah. Really, we're okay. Mm-hmm. Now, going forward, the next biggest challenge, I feel, is convincing theaters to want to produce them. I think that uh, when, and I'm saying when, not if, mm-hmm. the Oregon Shakespeare Festival produces one or more of these, it will help you know, sort of open up what the possibility for this mm. is. Yes, um, yes. And that is definitely a win. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And and so, so, so grateful to the risk-taking of Jeffrey Sherman at Alabama and Jim Hilsinger at Orlando mm-hmm. and the University of Utah, which will do an adaptation of, of Two Noble Kinsmen this coming spring. So, so grateful that they jumped mm. on early. Mm. Uh, which was terrific, and yeah. um, th- so for me, that it's not safe. It's a challenge, but certainly it's something that how to convince mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. in sort of that agent sure. way. All of a sudden, we're an agent, right? Yeah, and um, uh-huh. I have a lot of empathy now with my agent, <laughs> and we hadn't quite put it into our basket in terms of the scope of the assignment, the project, the R&D projectness, we're very clear on what those parameters were and we're mm-hmm. very clear on what the funding is covering. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of the, like, what we would actually discover about these plays will come about in a rehearsal process with actors totally. and a director right. and a dramaturg. What they become out mm-hmm. of that is delightful oh, to yeah. consider and I want to encourage so that I could have the joy of that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think for me, in terms of challenges and thinking about it sort of um, with like a producer hat on, is just um, volume. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so many. 
<laughs> I mean, when you think about with with yeah. all of the plays plus the Titus adaptation that we're working on, well, there's that's forty. And then you think about, well, all of them have a playwright and a dramaturg attached. So there's like 80-some-odd people that we're kind of taking care of. It's a lot of people. And then mm-hmm. when you add to that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we went into this saying, okay, every single one of these has a reading and a workshop. So that right there, so you have 80 events in three years. And so just sort of, and there's a trick in there. There's a deceptive little thing that happens in that you start to think, oh, well, they all have a reading and they Mm -hmm. all have a workshop. Mm -hmm. So you start to, to think, well, I can, I'm just replicating the same experience over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. but it's not that. Yeah. It is that in some ways, but then in other ways, we're adapting the model to fit the needs of the playwright and the dramaturg team for each one of these processes. And so learning that and getting that in my bones Mm -hmm. as a producer and for Louie and I both Mm -hmm. um, has been really um, an important thing that's come out of this first year. Yeah. Um, Because I think early on that we had these moments of like, oh, what? What what worked for them isn't going to work for them, and mm-hmm. you know for the next for the next project. So mm-hmm. that's been um, that's been an interesting challenge. But it's uh, I feel like now moving forward, we're in a really good place with it. Um, yeah. and it's it's exciting, totally. but just in volume of ideas and projects, we've got so much going on yeah. beyond just people writing and us planning these readings and workshops. Is like we're talking about these these global ideas. We're talking about how can we get this get these works in front of more people more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we produce these little demonstrations more frequently? Uh, we're talking about publishing. How do we get these things published? And that's an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Web presence and marketing. I mean, there's so much going on um, that the two of us are just sort of sitting on top of. And um, mm. it's really it's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is a lot. I think that's a challenge of, of this particular project. Sure. Totally. Totally. Challenge and abundance is yes. beautiful of a thing abundance is. I, w- I will yeah. say that it was, um, you know, in retrospect, um, somewhat smart of us to uh, have uh, a pos- come at this as a position of we're going to do this all on our own mm-hmm. because the result of that times 40 is a nice chunk of change mm-hmm. that the HITS Foundation uh, is willing to give us mm-hmm. to um, uh, complete this particular part of the project, the two drafts and readings and workshops. Because we're finding that we're, we um, made those costs as high as we possibly could and with help from our friends and colleagues around the country, it's helping to spread the, those dollars even further so we can accom- accommodate different requests. Everybody's process is not the same and everybody's needs in terms of how they develop is not the same. And, and I don't know if you were going to ask this question, but I want to say this. Yeah. Which is nothing would have happened in the sort of the spirit and the joy of what the three of us are talking about today had it not been for the a generosity of this funder. Yes. Yes. I, we come from a spirit of abundance, mm-hmm. which I know is a... Uh, a category and an action of uh, that you, Amrith, have spent a lot of time <laughs> wrestling with in your work as well, yeah, yeah. and know full well what the lack of abundance does to the art making. Yes, but we have such a generous amount of money that has been uh, given to us to play with, 
and they have been so trusting of me and Taylor and and the and and OSF to be good stewards mm -hmm. of this money that we're not accountable down to the penny. Yeah. And I say this, I hope some funders are listening. Yes. Because we have freedom mm -hmm. to move things around to meet need. Yeah. And uh, not have to say, well, you know, in that budget line, we only said we'd spend such and such. They don't mm -hmm. care. Yeah. As long as the bottom line is the bottom line. Yeah. And I keep them apprised of like, well, we have to shift this because this happened. In my whole career, there has never been a moment of more joy than giving money to 70 artists. To do something that is a, kind of a almost graduate school level exercise with no consequences. And, and this is really coming mm -hmm. from Dave Hitz. And I just want, I can't speak highly enough of, uh, about him and the trust he has given to us mm -hmm. and what happens when you come from a place of abundance. Oh, yes, we absolutely. Were, we were just yeah. in Boulder for the Henry Six workshop and... And I think to talking with their um, managing director um, afterwards, one thing um, that she said that I think rings true of all of the partnerships we've had is they're like, we are so, we were just so excited to get to spend the week in process mm -hmm. with no pressure of product. Oh, yeah. And what a joyful experience that is. Right. But also, what theater company out there, I mean, there are very few that could afford to do such a thing. Absolutely. And so yeah. for us to be able to come in and fund these readings and these workshops and and bring that sort mm -hmm. of um, experience, it's it's so exciting. Oh, and yeah. It has been, that's been a real joy. It's so necessary. You know, I mean, one of my... One of my biggest fears, the thing that probably, you know, keeps me up at night is the fact that I feel so often we are treating new play development process like an audition. Mm -hmm. And how do we actually get back to honoring process and honoring experimentation and allowing for, as you so beautifully said, Louie, you know, embarking on a project like this and being like, well, I don't know, you know, we, we don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen, but we want to allow for the possibility of experimentation because we believe in the integrity and intention and just the pure, you know, possibility of what this could be and what it means to have, you know, someone like Dave Hitz who could not be more generous and enthusiastic and cares for the innovation of it mixed in it with the way in which the two of you, which I have to give a big shout out because I know you're not going to shout out yourselves. You guys are amazing in terms of the way in which you respond and react to artists and how you have allowed this project to be so holistic. Every team is treated with such individual care. There's not a hierarchy from one play to another, which we could use right now in our field in terms of thinking of Shakespeare. How do we honor the canon and the scope and breadth of that work? And how can there be, you know, that sense of evolution when people do find that they need something to feed their process? And you've been doing that. So I feel like that's, you know, it really is to the core of... I feel like what we need in our field with new play development and that this project is actually encompassing that fully. I've been saying we're investors in process. The Ashton New Place Festival reached out to us um, because they want to organize a, produce a workshop of one of the play on translations, which they will do at the end of March. And we're really excited about that it's because home, hometown uh, group and they uh, reached out to Octavio Solis who lives in yeah. in the area and he's doing Edward III and so we had a meeting with them and they were like well what do you want to do and what and we was like well here's the money you do it your way keep us surprised we're yeah. an investor in your 
in your process? Number one thing as we go into all of these, what does the playwright need to be successful? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I would love to thank both of you because I feel like in my three months at OSF, I've already been able to experience so much of the joy, the experimentation, um, the sense of collaboration that you speak to with Play On. And it has, as a dramaturg who has been such a perpetual cheerleader for playwrights, it's been so exciting to see the way in which the, this type of work has come to be and the way in which dramaturgs collaborate with playwrights and the way in which, you know, Living Playwrights Collaborate with Shakespeare. So thank you, and thanks to Dave Hitz, and thanks to OSF for making this possible, and can't wait to see what's going to happen in the future. What a great conversation that was to be part of, and we've been busy doing even more since then. We have a very busy schedule ahead of us, producing the workshops and readings of all of our plays. Our goal is to continue to bring you into that process with regular episodes on this podcast. We have lots of great things planned, so make sure and subscribe and check out our previous episodes as well as snippets from a few of the translations on SoundCloud. Also, let us know what you think by emailing us at playon at osfashland.org, by joining the conversation on Twitter at PlayOnOSF, and by following us on Facebook to stay up to speed with the project. A special thank you today to Amritha Ramanan for sitting and talking with us. This podcast is produced by myself and edited and recorded by Saibi Khalsa at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. OSF's artistic director is Bill Rausch, and our executive director is Cynthia Ryder. Play On is spearheaded by Louis Douthat and is supported by a generous grant from the Hits Foundation. I'm Play On's assistant director, Taylor Bailey, and thanks for listening. <laughs>